hear it, and you are on mute. How about now? Oh, yeah, now you're not muted. <clears throat> but now, say something, talk talk a little bit. Check, baby, check, check one, two. Check, check, check one, two. How about check, check your... Check. Check your microphone. Check my six. Check my check, six. Yeah, check to see if if you've selected the microphone that is ATR. Oh Jesus check, Christ! Check check that. Oh my god. Oh my god. There we go. Here you are. Gee whiz. And I'm on better internet now. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, I, you want to talk about internet for a minute? Because it's I I don't. We do a lot of. I don't know if you do this, Don, but I do a lot of my work on the internet. <laughs> a lot of. I would say a lot of my playing on the internet. I, I uh-huh. do a lot of uh-huh. a lot of my entertainment uh, resides in this. Uh-huh. Uh, do, you, do you have an only you have an OnlyFans account? I don't. I do not have an OnlyFans <laughs> account. No, not that I know of. I'm still, <laughs> I Don, you're still my only fan, it, and you you don't even need uh, an account. You get the you get almost, direct direct line to me. I almost spit my coffee into my pop filter. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. <laughs> no, no, that's not. That's you have to pay for that on OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> so, okay, I so, wouldn't know. No, I just, I just things I've read from the internet. I'm yeah, from the internet, know, right? Yeah, right. Make, I told you, I'm, I, I would spend a lot of time on the internet. Um, so, okay, so we've talked about um, my internet <laughs> woes, right? In the past, where I had to create a shadow network. Um, and then now I've moved my, my office workstation, which is really, I, I sent you a picture of this. I'm, yeah. I'm currently, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking, um, three large screens now and a little iPad and, but, uh, but, a, but a smaller office, you had to give up your office. Well, technically Don, the office is much larger, except this office is filled with a bed as well, where my old office only had my office things. Got it. Yes. Got it. Oh, so your so your base your office is also the spare bedroom. Yes. Yes. In Got case, it. just in case we get into this and I need to have a nap, um, <laughs> I can. I will do. I, I could do this, John Roderick style. I could move the microphone. Yeah. And just lay in bed and talk to you all day. Uh, again, I feel like that's 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 another OnlyFans. Uh, you, you people got to pay for that. Um. So so I am further. <laughs> Calling back to um, further from my, the router. Yeah, calling back to a Mike Matz <laughs> yes, 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 from episode four or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm further. I'm much further from the router, but also the router isn't a router. The router are are a series of Eero um, mesh cupcakes and and little little things. They look like cupcakes. That's what I think. That's what they're called on the internet. So I fear that my Eero mesh is is starting to to fail and and do things that are that are a little bit odd so you you are not not to get off sucky with you too much but are you still using Eero as your uh your main source of uh of wi-fi yeah and actually I, it's funny you should mention that because i um <clears throat> i have received a notification that my Eero device is no longer receiving software updates Yes. And, yes. and that has me put like, I mean, I love Eero. They've been a great company, but boy, they sure do not make it easy for you to figure out what to do. Like it's, you know, it's okay. Like it's okay. I mean, I get, well, I get why they can't keep making update updates to old devices, right? It's just, it's the Apple model. Right. But right. I, 
I just want you to tell me what to buy, right? Yeah. Just to make it really easy for me to buy so I can buy a device that will receive software updates <clears throat> and that will handle what my current device is already handling, right? And I I I went in, I mean, I again, I don't have a I mean, I don't have a super long attention span for stuff like this, but I went in and it's like I spent five or 10 minutes. I'm like, I, I can't figure this out. I'm just going to wait. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll phone a friend. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll text a, a, a programmer. I mean, I'll, I'll figure yeah. out some solution by asking somebody who's smarter than me. But for now, I, I, everything's working and my devices are no longer receiving software updates, but I'm okay with that for now. But yeah, it's very... Yeah, I it's 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 a little it's a little frustrating. So Eero, if you're listening, they're not a sponsor, Ben, but no. Eero, if you're listening, um please fix that stuff. Like make what? it make it easy for us to buy. Like just just take my money, you know? What do like, I need? make it easy yeah. to take my money? And and it's funny you say this cuz I got a couple of messages about like you can trade in your old ones for new ones. Oh, Amazon, oh no! Right? But you, but, but you click, you click that button, and yeah. that's nonsense. It's like, it's, no, I, that's I'm not trading in anything. That's crazy. That that doesn't. Right. That, no, I, I, and I guess, I guess Amazon owns Eero now. I guess maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think so. Or or yeah. Eero, Eero bought Amazon. Maybe. Uh, I don't. Yeah, one uh, one or the other. Yeah, I think it's probably the other way around. Uh, probably, but. So, so here's okay. If if for listeners of the show that that go back to pre-COVID times, um, and then at the at the start of the pandemic where we started talking about this, you know this, Don, because I've talked to you about it and I showed you some screenshots. I I had to create a shadow network, which is mm -hmm. not really a shadow network. It's it's a network. <laughs> well, no, I maybe it is a shadow well, network. It's, it's a network only I know of in my home. Yeah, well, yeah, or or you could say that you've shadow banned your kids from the yes. real network. I'm not sure that's what shadow banning means, but it sounds cool. So well, I'm called let's yeah, let's call that. I created a I created a second, I bought another router um that was not an Eero in an Eero environment, wasn't mesh, it was so, like Netgear or something. I'm sure mm. there are there are there are definitely hackers that are hacking into my system right now as we talk. Well now about they know you have a Netgear router, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, I changed the password from like, you know, admin <laughs> one or whatever it was. So, so don't, don't get your hopes up hackers. Um, but so, so I've got, I got, I, I created that, that other, you know, I just plugged in another network uh, or another router to my, uh, to my, my fiber box and, mm -hmm. and, and, and just create another thing. Right. And I found that that was really good because what was happening with my Eero was that um, especially when, you know, I, it's something like 50 or 60 devices are on my network between the computers, the phones, the iPads, the Alexas, the whatevers, right? Like all of those, the TVs, the Apple TVs, everything's, everything's here. And so, so I, and the, and both my kids are gamers. So they, they have their, they've got their consoles and they've got their switches and they've got their Oculus. All of that stuff was like really became a problem for us when we were trying to like two things. One, when I was on Zoom meetings and two, when we were trying to record podcasts. So I was like, yep. what can I do? I went to Reddit and someone suggested this, just buy something. So it's, it, it doesn't choke out anything and you can put that on your, uh, you know, on your, your fiber box and you got your own thing. So, yep. so it, that was good for a while mm -hmm. and it worked, but, um, but dog, when I moved my office, it's further away from the router. Mm, mm. And and so so my my shadow, my shadow box, um, my shadow boxers 
No, my, uh, my, all my, my, my network. That <laughs> those, I want are, to those, those are, those are only for your only fans. <laughs> They're for my only fans, my shadow boxers. Um, they're, they, uh, I, I can't connect to that. So then, so what I have, and, and this is what I've learned, which is, which is mm. bizarre. Mm. Okay. So have you set up a guest network for your Eero where you got I, a primary I, network and then you got a guest network? You got that? I, yeah, I have not because we never have any guests. So, so I, <laughs> fair, fair enough. I often have guests. They're, they're, uh, not, you know, it's not even so much guests. It's, it's the, it's the neighborhood children who want to come to my house oh. and, be on, and, and be yes. on, they need to be on the internet yes. for Minecraft. Yes. Well, and, well, and, right. Need well, Richard Fingers well, need. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so, so I got a guest network. So Don, yep. here's, here's the absolute wildest thing that I can't figure out. And, and, and it has to do with Euro documentation and and I've spent enough time on Reddit to make Dane's head spin. Um, so it's all inside jokes all the way down here today. Uh, it I just needed to switch from my main network to my guest network to get more stable internet for our podcast. Oh, so so right, like you can confirm. Yeah. Let, let's the listeners don't know this, but there was a pre-show, um, and the pre-show was you and I connecting, doing our microphone thing. Usually we leave that in the show, but it was, I, you were a little robotic and I was a little yep. robotic yep. and and I could hear it. And I was like, this is not Dawn. This is me. So I said, let's leave, come back in. I switched to my guest network and lo and behold, Dawn, we have, we have a hundred percent internet. We are the, 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 we've opened up the flaps. Um, we're, so we're, we're cranking right now. So yeah, so so it sounds like yes, you're further from your your shadow router, Correct. but and that's what and that's what caused the problem. But what you what you need, Ben, <laughs> what you want, what I want um, is 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 you want just a hardwired connection from your fiber box to your oh, new office, right? I I do. So yeah, and here so, here's the challenge with that. It is in the <laughs> furthest possible part of the house mm. like like i could not find more opposite uh, i am mm. i so to uh w without using uh th what three words um i <laughs> it's it's a separate it's a separate what three words it's, from it's, yeah they're yes. in they're they're like they're like multiple boxes away yeah yes yeah, yeah. yeah. so so i am i am in the um upper uh most eastern part of my house the um the fiber box is in the lower most western part of my house uh and and so the to to get a wire like i i need i need an electrician uh for this oh right? for like sure need, oh this is not yeah. something you want to take on yourself right no no i'm not i no. this isn't uh this isn't my um you know when i was in my fourth year of university and we had uh, networking running through the, the house <laughs> where where we bought seven thousand feet of cat five network right. cables and just you know ran them up the stairs um yeah that that would not go over well here mm. in uh in hometown so yep. yeah but but it's it's curious to me that that my main it, it like Eero operates under the same mesh as far as I can right. tell right? right like there's no I don't have two mesh and it's it, and and I can turn on a like if I unplugged my shadow network, which I still can see it, but it's only got one out of the three bars. So it's not very helpful, but I have three bars in, in both my um, main network and my guest network. 
and my guest network is more stable than my main network. Well, but how many devices are on each network, right? I think well, that's because there's a yeah. cost. It's not about the bars necessarily. You know, it's not about, uh, let's see, it's not about the length of the pipe. It's about it's all, the width of the pipe. Um, it's all about, I don't know. It's all, um, it's all about the Benjamin. I'm, pre- yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, so I, mean, a, but I, I, my guess would be that there's far fewer devices on your right now. There's far yeah. fewer devices on your guest network because the neighborhood kids are hopefully at school and they're not playing Minecraft in your basement. It's true. It's true. But why? Why, Don? It's all the same box. Like, is Euro creating two separate networks that have two two? Like, I just assumed yeah. that it was partitioning one big pipe. But what this tells me mm. is that's not the case. That it is well, two separate pipes, almost. Yeah, there's. I think there's. Yeah, I. I, I th- that would be again, Ben. As you know, both of us are seasoned technologists, and you know, uh, are are computer experts. Um, but yeah, yeah, that would be my guess. Is that that there's just it, it for for security reasons? Maybe even you could probably go on the the Eero Reddit and find this out. But I suspect that there's a, uh, I, I'm probably using this word wrong, Ben, there's a firewall uh, between, yeah, the, the, between yeah. the guest network and the home network. Um, and you're on the good side of the firewall because there's just, there's nobody over there, you know? So, so here's, here's how I've, like, I agree. I think that this is exactly it. And this is why this is not sustainable because mm-hmm. I'm going to read to you. Um, mm-hmm. let, let's do some counting here. So um, one, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five active total devices on on Eero the the Venn diagram that is Eero. Okay. Thirty-five. On the as this comes up, I start moving things to the guest network. Right. I'm like, oh, you got a problem on the big on the big network. Let me move things to the guest network. So out of those 35, one, two, three, four, five, six have been moved to the guest network. And here's why that's not sustainable, because, yes, because I'm just going to keep moving things to the guest network to the point where I have 35 there and zero on the main network. Well, and, uh, honestly, and, let's be fair. You'll have uh, you'll have uh, what's half of thirty five? Uh, it's seventeen anyway, and a half. You'll, you'll have seventeen and a half devices yeah. on each network, and then it'll be optimal. Right, so, right. And then you'll need to create a third guest network. <laughs> yeah, well, which is what I mean, and this is the the bonkers part of this, which is what I did do was I created a third mm. guest network by plugging in my shadow network, but I'm right. too far away from the router now. Yep, yep. <laughs> anyway, I just I think it's fascinating that that's how the internet works. Right. Like, and I, and every day, every day, Don, two things happen in my house. One is someone cannot find a charger or a block, right? This has nothing to do with this conversation, but it is a pet peeve of mine. I know mm-hmm. what all of my charging cables are, Don, because I keep them close to me because I don't want to be without a charging cable. There are three people that live in my house and I'm not just talking about my children and the dog, um, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say that very, very lowly here. Just very, yeah, someone, yeah. Someone's here. Mm-hmm. No one knows. No one knows where a charger no is. She, she won't listen to this. She won't, No, of course not. But she might be upstairs listening right now as I talk about it. Um, <laughs> she, on the Shadow Network. On the Shadow Network. She, yeah. But but Don, no one knows where a c- cable is. And I have I have now, I'm so, Don, I get so fired up about this. Because, you know, we, we travel every once in a while, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We go to Canada. We, yeah. we go on these hockey trips for, for the kids. Oh, I thought you were talking I about mean, you and me. <laughs> 
Well, you and I do travel too every once in a while. Um, but but my my family and I travel and I make an announcement prior to travel. <laughs> and and I'm talking like a broadcast announcement that that is repeated almost like a public service announcement that you would hear multiple times in days that are that that uh precede this event of our travel. I I remind them they need charging cables and I am not their charging cable person. I'm not mm-hmm. that's not my job. My I've I have in fact done my job by purchasing all of the charging cables. Yes, right. I can't keep track of them. Nope. Right. You're not you're not their charging cable daddy. I'm not their current charging <laughs> that costs, cable. That, that costs extra on OnlyFans. <laughs> I think after this show, someone will create an OnlyFans called Charging Cable Daddy if it hasn't already existed. So so that's that is that's one announcement, right? Yeah. Okay, that, that drives me. That just, just um I, I get frustrated. Yep. Yep. Um, and and every every trip, Don, no one has a charging cable, and then mm-hmm. it's and then it's a meltdown, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how am mm-hmm. I going to charge my AirPods? How am I going to charge my phone? I need to plug it in. I'm like I know, and and I'm I am um, probably annoyingly, I'm, I'm not even going to use the right word here, pious maybe about mm-hmm. this. I'm I'm annoyingly where I will just say, well, you really should have thought of this when I announced it, and and I am my all of my equipment is is charged everything's good 100 percent. i will never yep. be without charge because i planned for this yep so yep. so that anyway the second thing that comes up in my house and it, it's related to this conversation don is that the wi-fi doesn't work also your problem to solve also, also my problem so but, I, what's it what is it marco says uh it's 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 not my fault but it's my problem it's my problem that is yes the wi-fi doesn't work my wi-fi the wi-fi is down the wi-fi doesn't work the wi-fi is down and Don, I can't, I, I, I bet of my non job related time that I spent. <laughs> so, so we, let's take 24 hour. Let's take a 24 hour day. Average right. day. Yep. I, I try to sleep for seven to seven and a half hours of that day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll take that right off the top. Yep. Um, I spent a little bit of time uh, on, let's say Instagram and Twitter, uh, maybe an hour a day. Okay. So let's take that off. And that's maybe not even being, maybe it's more than that. Um, I, I go, I go to work for, uh, for a number of hours. I, I don't know. Let's say it's somewhere in between eight and 10 hours. I'm doing work things a day, something like that. Uh, there's not a lot of hours left. I will say that of the hour remaining mm-hmm. hours, a, a, a significant portion, 25% is me hearing about the internet, not working and me looking for solutions to make my internet work better. Because I, I don't want to hear that the internet doesn't work. And Don, I've figured out with my three different ways to get the internet, how to make my internet work fine. <clears throat> Just like your cables. Just like yep. my cables. Like, here you go. This is what I needed to do. But um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I So anyway, all of this, my preamble, my 30 minutes rant on this, Don, is because I might have to go away from Eero and find some new solution. Like maybe I need an Orbi. I don't, I think that's a thing that I've heard on the internet. Maybe there's something else out there. I even watched um, a video about, I, I don't even subscribe to this co- company, but I think T-Mobile's got like 5G home internet where you get a little 5G thing in your house and then all your internet's just broadcast from T-Mobile. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I got to do that. I have no idea what to do next. Yeah, well, I I I would say there's a couple there's a couple of a couple of things. Number one, 
is is the pro is the, the is the is the problem the network or is the problem the pipe coming to the house? It's not the pipe coming to the house because if I okay. plug in directly to the pipe, we're we're, we're blazing blazing right. speeds blazing right. sounds. So so yeah so maybe maybe I mean are any of your heroes not receiving software updates? Nope. No no I so I think they all I think they I yes I mean I said no I think that is part of it because I also got that yeah that yeah because you have you just have old heroes right I mean and and the technology has gotten better so I mean yeah maybe maybe yeah but but again here's the thing you don't want to spend money on a new hero if it's the same if it's the same problem right yeah so and I've got yeah. so so because of the and and this don't don't get me wrong I don't live in in some sort of a massive house but the configuration of my house and where we want internet I have seven heroes right now. I got, yeah. which is, which is a lot, right? Like I got one in a bedroom. I got one in an office. Well, one in the kid's so, room. Cause they need to be close to the router. So, for their internet. Uh, all right. So we started this conversation with me suggesting that you hire an electrician. What would significantly improve your internet? Dr. Chapman would be to hire an electrician and then hardwire all seven all of, of those heroes to your router. Oh my I mean, goodness. I know, I know you don't I mean, and obviously there's more, you know, only so many can plug into the router, but you have, uh, you have, you know, splitters or boxes or whatever they're called. I, I really think the solution rather than throwing, if you're going to throw money at the problem, throw money at an electrician, who's going to just run some, you know, cat five or six or whatever they're running these days. And then just put that and just bite the bullet and put that in your house because yeah, that, that yeah. ultimately is going to solve the, pr and, th and then you just have, everybody has an hero in every, there's an hero in every room and, and each hero is, is hardwired to their, they talk to each other, but they also talk to the box, right? And they talk to the box and they go directly there. So Don, yeah. you are, let me tell you, 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 Dr. Don is doing good work today because <laughs> that, that is, it's not something that I had thought about. It's not, I'm, I'm looking for the, the wireless solution, right? Like I'm looking for what, what can I plug in? But I think you're right. I think I have a problem right now that I need to call in some professional help that, and, yeah. and people, people know how to fish wire, right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Do it's, it. it's, well, here's the thing. One of the first things we did when we moved into our old house, and it was also one of the first things that we did, when we moved into the new house was to find a good neighborhood electrician and then give, give them all the money <laughs> and yeah. say, look, make it, make it so that my power doesn't go out, make it so that my house doesn't burn down. Right. Make it so yeah. that everything is good. And uh, yeah. And we have a really good re relationship with our local electrician and we've had, we just, again, it's like, I just, can I, can I give you more money to come and put a light here? Because you know, I, my office is too dark or we want a light in the closet, in this closet or whatever. And, uh, you know, they're really good at doing electrician stuff. What they're not good at doing is, I don't know if you, how many electricians you've ever met. They're not really good at sheetrocking. Um, they will sheetrock over the holes. Um, but it's, they don't do a very good job. In fact, I think they, 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 they really do, a, a they do a, about as good as, well, they probably sheetrock about as often as I do. So they probably do as good a job as I could do. So we've got a lot of spots in our house that where the electricians have been, <clears throat> all the electricity, electrical stuff is good, but all the places that used to be electri electrical stuff that they took out, um, not so good. So, yeah. Well, and, and so uh, two things come to mind. One is, does your local uh, electrician like to go to the outer banks? Because uh, if because if you uh, if he or she are on vacation here in North Carolina and they'd like to swing by Raleigh, maybe I need to just contract them. Uh, I, I know your your recommendation is to find a local electrician here in Raleigh. 
I'm interested in getting your local electrician to come well, here. We'll, in the show notes, we will put the link to the Facebook page of the Bianco Electric Company. Okay. Um, I like uh, this. And they're, they're licensed electricians. Uh, their phone number is a 732 area code number. And, you know, reach out to Chuck. Uh, he's a good guy. I I, I don't know. He's, uh, you know, he, he might, he might take you up on that. All right. Okay. So this is good. Um, the, uh, I think that was it. I think that was, yes. <laughs> I, I, well, no, I think the, the other thing is sometimes you need to, you fi- need to find a professional to take care of the problem. That's bigger than what you need to do yourself. And this is one where I've just like, I'm spending way too much time dealing. Well, yep. first of yep. all, I'm going to need a cable charging daddy that will hire to 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 manage my children, uh, mm-hmm. and and those cable chargers, uh, but or you know cables and, and charging. But but also, this is a problem that I I just I'm I'm at my um, I'm at my end. I don't know what to well, do. Well, well, with you know, and I just got maybe I'm maybe it's the coffee, maybe it's the it's the flush of uh, adrenaline from solving your internet problems. I just got an idea for how we're going to solve your cable problems too. Um, what you do before you go on vacation is you you go around the house and you pack up a bunch of cables that that they have forgotten, right? Um, and then when they need one, small fee, right, right. You know, yeah. like just retail price. You you could sell you could sell them their same cables over and over again for slightly less than full retail price. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think yeah, and then I don't know, donate that to a charity or something. I love it. I, this is where I'm going. Yes, okay. This is good. This is we have a plan in place here. Um, and 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 the thing is, it's you know, like what we're doing right now. I uh, w- my my internet sounds good. I have a band aid solution, right? Like I've we right. this is going to work for today. But yeah, I need well, something some, long term yeah, and sustainable. Yeah, some, sometimes you need a band aid, and sometimes you need a, a, a surgery truck. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so. Um, let's move, let's move on away from the internet. Cause I wanted to ask you, I, I, you made a, you made a very funny joke, Don, that, that I, I I've shared. And I think it's really one of my favorite things, um, of the last week or two. Um, <laughs> and, and so I got, um, well, first of all, you know, on this show that we don't have a lot of guests. I mean, we have guests yeah. every once in a while, Yeah. That, but, and it's, it's people, it's, it's usually people, no one solicits us to come on the show. For the most part, I think we have one or two cases where that's been the case. Um, but we we are like, hey, we this things happen. We should invite someone, or we have a a little bit of a, a surprise guest, right? Uh, where right. we like to where you like to play a joke on me, where I, I feel foolish because I can't guess who it is. Um, I received an email this past week um, from uh, the press office. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 I want is is press release for immediate release. Um, headline is influencer discovers boyfriend cheating, non-vegan pizza order, in the no that must be must have been uh, cheating in an app or something. I think it's it's been uh, cut cut off. Let me go find the exact thing that they that they said because I think the PDF got uh, got all messed up. Um, but um, so influencer. Uh, oh, where did this go? Here we go. Subject message. Where are you? Well, well. Anyway, let me let me read a, l- a little bit about this. Um, we uh, uh, influencer discovers boyfriend cheating when checking non-vegan pizza order in the app. Mm. Right? So right. What app, Don? Does that? It doesn't matter. Well, my pizza. Uh, some sort of pizza app. I mean, pizza it's app. 
Yeah. So, so it's, it's essentially what happened. We have um, um, an influencer. Do you know about influencers? If you are, are you familiar with them? Oh, did I lose you? Oh, oh, did there I lose you? Oh, no, okay. but you're back. You're back. Okay. Now you, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you do you know about the influencers? Do you know Do you know any influencers? I I well, I, I read the press release after you sent it to me. Vanessa Moore. That that's an influencer. Okay. Uh, a, yeah, Bernessa. She, so she's I, she's not influencing me because I don't really know who she is. But well, not yet. But now you do. She she's vegan. And so mm. is her, her her boyfriend, but uh, essentially she found <laughs> then out, boyfriend <laughs> then boyfriend found out that he was cheating on her because she went to the app to check on when the pizza was coming, and went back and saw that there was a history of him ordering non vegan pizzas, and and the app the app really like helped her find this this egregious cheating, um, it, it, that that was a really it was a very interesting story. But what the what the press office wants to know is if we want to have Vanessa on the on the on podcast. our podcast, yeah, right. And so, so you, I forwarded this to you, and uh, and your answer to this, which has continued to make me laugh, is no. But we want to have the boyfriend on, and so I emailed <laughs> the press office back and said, um, no. But do you have the boyfriend's contact information? Because we'd have to like to have him on. And we I've not heard back. Heard not I heard do, back. Yeah. No, but I do wanna I just want to highlight because I don't know if we'll ever hear back how funny that joke was. And that that I want if the I, I promise Don, just like uh, on our other podcast, we promise not to to waffle or dither or equivocate. I promise you the you the co-host and and you the listener that if I hear back from the press office. And the boyfriend is available. We will have the boyfriend on this show. We will have a special guest because I want to know all about influencer Vanessa's boyfriend, uh, their pizza habits, what app it is, um, what non-vegan restaurant it was. Um, I want. I, I just want to know everything about this situation. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I, I just, that it made me smile. And then I shared. I just shared your response with a number of people and they all laughed at it too. It was very witty and funny. And I, and, and you made me smile. Well, I'm, I am glad I could help. You, you did I'm good. sorry. I'm, we're sorry for Vanessa we are. Um, and her cheating boyfriend, but um, you know, I, I, she, I mean, she seems like as an influencer, I'm sure she could influence another boy to be her friend. So. Yeah. Right. Be, be the influencer. You want to be not the influencer you need. <laughs> um, and so the the not the only other thing. There's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about, but um, did I had a weird week, Don? Did you have a weird week of like media coverage at all? Um, no. I well, I had a, I did I did have a lot of. It must have been a slow news week because there was a lot of food safety stories that like I Ben. I am not so proud that I do not have a uh, Google alert set up for my own name, um, mostly yeah, so no. I can find out when I'm quoted in articles. And yeah. it was a busy week of being quoted, mostly about your research, but uh, yeah. <laughs> spice containers, but but there were a few other ones too. Well, so that was the weird thing out of nowhere that everything kind of blew up. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to thank the Rutgers um, news uh, people, the people that put out your okay. the press release, because I don't like, so Don, um, let me, let me just list off some of the places where our spice research was covered this week because it's a little bit wild mm. um 
I uh, okay. Here we go. Inside Edition called. They want to talk, um, which is always always exciting. Uh, the Today Show. Good Morning America. Bon Appetit. Um, the Washington Post. Um, Forbes. Um, did I mention uh, Today.com? Yeah, Today. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the weirdest one of them all was that our research was an answer in the limerick section of wait, wait, don't tell me on NPR this week. Um, and so, yeah. So, so, but this is the thing I I'm you, I guess I never know what will catch the like journalists attention. There's sometimes when we've published papers where I'm like, this is really interesting stuff, right? No one, no one's interested in it. This mm-hmm. one, I think it's really interesting stuff. I, I gave up that anybody was going to show interest in it, but it's just had this slow burn. And then last mm-hmm. week it all kind of, kind of blew up. Um, I I will like two other weird things that came out of it. I got contacted by, I don't know any de- details of this other. And I'm going to like, I don't want to scoop someone here, but I'm, uh, let me, I got an email from, let's just say like a popular streaming place. Okay. Okay. There, a producer who works for them. And uh, it's not. It's not OnlyFans. No, no. That's it's a different popular streaming place. Um, are they're working on a docu series, and they would like to recreate the study that we did. Oh, cool. And they want, yeah. But they're like, how much would that cost? It's like, well, I, what do you mean recreate? Like, what are you trying to do here? Like, yeah. how many people? Right. Anyway, but it was like, wow, that's weird. But that all just came out of like. This last week, I don't understand it sometimes where, mm. where, you know, the, uh, we, we certainly weren't the main character of the internet last week, but we were like in the, maybe like a cameo in, in the, in the third act of a movie of the internet last week, mm-hmm. where it was like a weird, like, oh, that's, that's notable um, that, that, that just happened. But I, I, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird one for, for me. And I love that. I love that research and what I, so what I'm, what, what I'm talking about here and I haven't sort of given the, the full um, uh, treatment to, to this is that, that we did uh, a study about uh, five years ago, um, looking at cross-contamination um, during making uh, ground turkey patties, turkey burgers. And um, you, you were a, a co-author in the study because you worked with uh, one of my uh, former students and now um, phenomenal colleague who works at FDA, um, Meg Kirchner, and um, and looked at modeling sort of cross-contamination and uh, wrote a really, really nice paper that got published like a while ago now, right? Like, I mean, this was came out six months ago. Well, the the Rutgers the Rutgers press release came out in October, right? Um, and, and that was when the raw PDF went live on the JFP website. I think what okay. may what may have triggered this latest resurgence is finally the the typeset PDF oh. showed up. It was quote unquote published. Oh well, there you go. That's that now that actually explains more. For some reason, I thought it was yeah. like yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. So, but but the I guess the big aha or surprise you know what we did is observed a bunch of people making food um we put um a a non-pathogenic um uh 
in this case, it was a, a, a bacteriophage, MS2, into the food. And we looked at where that went when people were, were making um, a meal. And we were able to watch their hands from start to finish and, and guess sort of where cross-contamination would happen and then sort of verify that with, with swabbing the environment. And we saw a whole bunch of inform or not information, a whole bunch of, um, you know, uh, potential for, for contamination on spice jars. And that was the big surprise. It wasn't something that I think we thought about um, until we started watching and looking for um, where the, where the surrogate went. And, and, and that like, you, you know, um, we had a friend, friend of the show, uh, Deep Mickey, um, sent us an email uh, about this for the Washington Post coverage. And, uh, you know, his, his he highlighted a bunch of comments that were pretty funny. <laughs> and we said, we never read the comments. It's never, never good. Even, and then he sent us some good comments. But, but it was, I guess it was surprising to us. And it was, it's become surprising to the world out there that you might have, um, you know, I, it was surprising to us that we found it more there than in other places. Not that it happened there, um, but but the the coverage has sort of led to the the challenge in these studies, which is your spice containers may be killing you, right? Which right. is not really what what our research showed and what I've dialed back. You know what what one of the uh, um, interviews I did. Someone was like, so should everybody go into their spice pantry or their pantry, pull out their spice jars and decontaminate them? And I was like, no, no, you should not do that at all. We should just pay attention to hand washing and thinking about the surfaces that we touch while we prepare food more. That's about it. And if you really want to, um, you know, clean and sanitize, maybe think about it right after the meal, but don't go into your spice container, your, your pantry right now and, and decontaminate it. That's a waste of that's a waste of time and it's really not going to reduce risk. Well, and you know, and this leads to the inevitable question, well, how long can bacteria live on your spice container? Uh, and it's like, well, that's not really the right question because yep. and again, some of our academic colleagues are famous for publishing papers about how long something lasts on something and it's really about the starting again, sorry if I sound like a broken record, but it's really about the starting concentration and the detection limit of the method and the inactivation kinetics and unfortunately you tell, start to talk about inactivation kinetics um, and people like their eyes glaze over, but that is what you need to know. And I, and I did, I did miss misspeak earlier. The just to get the the timeline right, the Rutgers press release did come out on October seventeenth. The article actually was published online on September 9th, but it's actually in the November issue of JFP. Yeah. And so, yeah. So uh, why is there suddenly interest in January? Again, I will chalk it up to a slow news week um, because in a slow news week, usually that's when food safety stuff gets covered because people are interested, you know, but it's not as important as, I don't know, you know, uh, documents uh, found where they're not supposed to be found. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> By former, former presidents or former vice presidents. Yeah. Have you checked your, <laughs> I've, of course, like the rest of the world, I've made this joke a bunch of times. Don, have you checked your your uh, your garage? You got any classified documents out there? I've been checking. I've been well, looking. In my garage. I, I don't know. I, there's a lot of stuff in my garage, Ben. I don't know. It's probably been covered on this podcast. We recently, and by recently, I mean within the last two years, we, we moved. Um, and there is still stuff that we haven't found. So you know, there might be some classified documents. I, I don't know. I mean, if I find if if I find if I find that I have any, I will certainly let 
the uh the the relevant people know immediately yeah. when when and have them come take care of it which uh, seems like a response right. yeah seems like a responsible way to, to handle it right right um, oh yeah no you're, you're right it's but so uh, one thing that like I, this i don't know continues to teach me about the way that science and especially food safety gets covered and our research gets covered is you just can't predict this slow news week and that all of a sudden no. spice spice no. stars are going to be a thing right like a right. press release goes out i you know the our news folks and i'm sure your news folks say the same thing hey are you available this week if there's any coverage right i'm going to send this out on tuesday um can you do any interviews this week because it's a small window of time and i'm always like yeah, yeah for sure um what you know what, what I no one could have predicted that all of a sudden it was going to be on. Wait, wait, don't tell yeah. me this week, and that led to a whole yeah, bunch exactly. of stuff. Exactly, and and I have to say, um, somebody, somebody, I don't, I don't remember who. I can probably find it, but somebody said, "Hey, they talked about your research on WWDTM," and I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, well, no, either me either. I, I but like I know what I know what the show is, but I didn't know WWTM is a thing or D, right. D, DTM. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was from uh, it was from Nikki. So thank you, uh, thank you, Nikki. Uh, Nikki is uh, Nikki's an assistant professor at the University of Georgia. So thank Nikki. Thank you for I guess listening to the show. I don't I don't I don't know if I know if I don't know if I know Nikki, but uh, yeah, very nice to hear food safety mentioned on WWDTM this weekend. So I guess if I was a fan of of wait wait don't tell me I would I would probably know that. But again, I googled it and I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> so my. Um, the, the, before we leave this, my, my favorite thing is I got a, a message from, uh, a, uh, a journalist who said, Hey, uh, my name's X and I'm a reporter with Y. Um, we're writing a story about how the germiest place in your kitchens is your spice jars. According to a study by the journal of food protection, we would like to receive a comment from an expert such as yourself to react to the study and offer a few tips regarding food safety for our spice jars. <laughs> And other services in our kitchen. Please let <coughs> me know if you have, interest. Yeah, yeah. Please let me know if you have time to talk on the phone tomorrow. And I responded, "Hey, I'm very familiar with the study as I was an author on it. Uh, I'm happy to talk about it." Uh, and he said, "Oh, well, isn't that perfect? Then I didn't even realize any time will work to to chat." Oh, so, that's yeah. funny. So, so I, I thought that was really funny. Where it was like, "Yeah, yeah." That that was the first time I was in the the echo chamber of the food safety internet world. Right where yeah where, yeah, where yeah. I was part of the I, I I I you know I was part of the creation of the story and I was part of the commentary on the story. Um, I don't like I don't know if that's ever happened before. Well, and the and the whole weird thing, and you and I talked about this when Rutgers reached out to me. They're like, "Hey, we'd like to talk to you about your spice container study." I'm like, "Well." It's a bit of a stretch to call it my spice container study, right? Like you, you know, it's there's a whole bunch of people that participated in this study, and they're all from North Carolina State University, except for me. So, but yes, I would be happy to talk to you about quote unquote my study. Um, and I, I cleared it with you. I said, hey, they want to do this, and you're like, that's fine. So, and I'm like, okay, but it's just going to be super awkward to. But and I, again, every time it came up, I tried to say, look, I'm just a co-author, and I'm not really the. I'm not really the brains of the operation. I just help with some stuff, but I'm happy to talk about the study because I would talk about the study even if I wasn't a, a co-author, right? Because it's just an interesting study. With, well, with surprise, was surprising. It's it turns out, you know, it's a little bit. It turns out again, not not that you should immediately 
you know, dose your spice cabinet with chlorine, but you know, it's just, it's just good. It's good. It's good to be, have your eyes opened about the ways that microorganisms can spread, which is, which is probably the way I would phrase it now. Right. It was, it was eye opening. Um, again, not, not alarming because, you know, germs are everywhere. Right. But it was eye opening to pay, to, to realize that, you know, and it makes perfect sense. Right. I mean, it was surprising when, when you found it, but it makes perfect sense because when you're asking people to prepare a food that has spices as an ingredient, and the recipe probably dictates something about putting spices onto the raw meat, um, you know, they're going to handle the raw meat, then they're going to handle the spices, right? I yeah. mean, so it, it, in retrospect, it makes sense, but it was it was a startling discovery. Well, and yeah, and so, and I'm really, first of all, I'm really ha like happy that that Rutgers picked that up and want to 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 work on it. We did some some press of it when the the report was published i think or something we mm -hmm. we had we had talked about it it was you know what whatever and it didn't get a lot of run um but i'm glad i'm glad you did it and and this is why we do these like multi-institution multidisciplinary projects and this is one of those those projects that i'm 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 really really proud of because we've got some folks that are involved in like behaviors and practices and we've got some folks that are involved in microbiology and we've got some folks that are involved in the modeling and and math of all of the both behaviors and the micro moving uh or the the microbiology and, and and how pathogens can move and and this is i mean how we should be tackling some of these um some of these questions and so i i look at you as as very much as a um like an, an equal partner in in that study because adding all this together and then talking about it from different angles makes it more, it makes it more complete. And it's the, like, these are the types, these are the only types of studies I really want to do now that, that I right. want to be part right. of. Um, well, I'm, I contributed at least one sixteenth of the effort because that's how many authors. Yeah, yeah you did. You that. did. Yeah. And, and, um, but, but I think that having Rutgers be interested in it and pushing this out is why we're talking about it again today. And, and right. it made me think, you know, like one of the interviews I did on this last week, they, they asked me like, what, what would you say the big takeaway is when it comes to communicating food safety? Right. And I, and I, mm -hmm. I, I it w which was a really, I, that it was a, it was an interesting question, right? Like, because that also gets in the other half of what I do in developing messages. And I, and I think that you know, what I, what I answered, and I don't know if this, I think the, the uh, article will come out today or tomorrow. What I said was when we talk about washing hands before and after meal preparation, meal preparation has all these steps that, that lead to the potential for contaminating surfaces like spice containers. And I think we need to recognize that when I'm supposed to wash my hands and how I'm supposed to wash my hands within a meal preparation, it's not the same. Like just saying it like, oh, you should wash your hands a lot during meal preparation. Um, we, we need to be more prescriptive about what that means, right? Like that when I'm handling raw meat or raw meat packaging, it's different, you know, than if I am um, opening up a packaged, uh, you know, frozen pizza, right? You know, like right. There, there, right. there's new, there's nuance here for risk and there's nuance for messages. So, but just by saying things like you should wash your hands more when you're, when you're making a meal, that doesn't, it's not really actionable, right? Like it's right. I mean, right. As much as what, it's, what our arts kind of study highlighted. Yeah. It's, it maybe it's actionable, but it's not really helpful because it doesn't tell yeah. you when, when or why. Right. I get, and what I, 
what I always think about when I think about trying to communicate to people, and it's more something that makes sense to me and maybe to experienced microbiologists, not to the lay public, but think about it from the perspective of the microorganism, right? Like, like they're on the chicken and then they're going to get on your hands. And then what are your hands going to touch? And then how can you, how can you get your hands clean um, without contaminating the faucet in your kitchen? Right. I mean, it's, so you do have to think about things like a microorganism, but again, maybe that's not, maybe that's not super helpful. Um, and in fact, it might be, it might be potentially panic attack inducing if it's a guy dressed in scrubs standing in the kitchen uh, of his house telling you how to practice aseptic technique as you decontaminate your groceries because they might have SARS-CoV-2 on them right i mean that that's right right that that, that that's you know he's thinking like a microorganism it's just it's just not not particularly helpful in that context and and again i don't want people to be suiting up in hazmat suits to apply spices either right it's it's a, anyway it's a it's a challenge to get people to react with, you know, and that's the thing with risk, risk communication, right? You, you don't want people to overreact, but you don't want them to underreact either. And sometimes it's complicated. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, and, and the, so what I think was really great is that this gave us space to talk about that nuance that, right. that would right. maybe have been missed or, you know, not, not talked about at all. It's it, yeah, it really. Anyway, and, it was, I, I feel like it's an interesting week. And and you know what you know what's great for uh, not a lot of nuance, Ben. What what's that? The comments. Oh, <laughs> oh never read the comments. <laughs> thanks to oh. thanks to Professor Professor Mickey for reading the comments for us, so we don't have to. Yeah. Oh, um, oh and I will just I I just want to briefly close the loop and again thank uh, thank Nikki for uh, telling me that we were on WW. DTM. Um, I'm trying to, I was, yeah, yeah. I was trying, trying to think, uh, like, why this person who is uh, in the vet school at Georgia would know me, but it turns out she did a postdoc with Ed Dudley. So uh, that's oh. and and Ed, Ed and I are, are buds. So um, so anyway, so hi Nikki, if you listen, uh, thanks for the message, and we'll link to your your page at at UGA. So yeah, we love we love Ed. Shout out to Ed Dudley. Great, great, great and shout person. out to Ed Dudley. Yes, shout out to Ed Dudley for for that. Uh, all right, so there's there's some other stuff in here that we that we want to talk about. Um, we 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 jumped we jumped right into things there after my little internet rant. What? Oh, Don, this is not in our in our thing, but mm-hmm. you and I. Well, I don't. So you you I don't want again. I don't want to scoop something um, here, but there there's a there's a TV show that I that I really really like that has is interested in doing a food safety story, and I've shared your name with with them and and also oh, yeah. friends of friends of the show michelle and and uh and linda have you have you talked to them at all yeah i have not they... okay so but I, without without spoiling the whole thing one of the things that i told that tv show about was one of the funniest things that's happened i think um in in the world of food safety which is a warning letter that went to a nut producer um about uh there were investigators that came to their their nut plant and they found salmonella they were following up on a salmonella in the um, salmonella recall and while they were talking um to the owner of the company um he was petting a bearded dragon um and there were uh in that um 
you know, I, I, I'll highlight a couple of things here that we'll put into show notes. Um, right in the um, uh, the uh, the uh, letter, the warning letter, uh, FDA wrote. Um, uh, where is it? Um, third, I'll just quote this because I think it's hilarious. Three of a hundred environmental swabs we collected from your facility yielded salmonella. One of the swabs was taken from a cross beam directly above the belt where all shelled walnuts exit the shell cracker. Our investigators observed debris following from this cross beam directly under the belt below where walnuts exit the cracker during operation. All cracked walnuts pass under this cross beam. So that's bad, right? How would the salmonella get there? Well, Don, in the next paragraph, they say two swabs collected from the inside of the reptile enclosure in your office yielded salmonella. Mm. What? Sorry. What? What? What now? Um, during an interview in your office located within the packing facility, our investigators observed you holding a bearded dragon reptile and peeling off its skin with your bare hands. Gross. Something, something that is phenomenal and will go down as one of the top five things I will ever think about in food safety. Um, following this interview, you were seen touching shelled walnut meats with your bare hands, first without washing your hands. Reptiles are known reservoirs for salmonella. So, Don, why do you think I'm telling you about this today, other than um, that, you know, that that there might be a TV show that might pick this up and talk about it? Do you are you aware of, of why? Um, it's is it because that you recently acquired a service dragon? I've not recently acquired a service <laughs> dragon. Um, Don, it's because, uh, let me, let me direct you to, um, our friends, uh, at, um, the CDC who, um, want to highlight that, uh, there's an outbreak of salmonella associated with pet bearded dragons right now, uh, that, uh, came up, uh, last week. Have you, are you aware of this? I, I am, I am aware of this. Um, I think about this on a regular basis um, because I know that these I've, I've been thinking about this. Well, to be honest, I mean, I've been, I've been thinking, I don't always think about Merlin man, but I often think about Merlin man when it comes to the internet and things on the internet. And uh, as you know, he has a bearded dragon um, as a pet. And, uh, but I mostly try to not talk to him about it because uh, I think it, he, it freaks him out a little bit. So uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. Bearded, I mean, lizards are, known to carry salmonella and occasionally we do have these outbreaks that are linked to animals that are sold through pet stores and uh yeah not not surprising that there is currently a salmonella outbreak or outbreaks linked to bearded dragons yeah, yeah. um and yeah and that this was uh so bearded dragons let me find the actual one because i think this just came out um anyway bearded dragons funny uh, we'll link to it in show notes. I think it's that the as of last week, the investigation on this is closed, is what uh, CEC says, and there ended up being um, fifty six people sick uh, from this bearded dragon outbreak, and and we've talked about this a little bit as it relates to um, other like certainly this in pets, but. Part of this is that these bearded dragons may all come from one like bearded dragon breeder, right? Who may have right. some similar right. issues. Yep. Yep. Um going yep. going on. And we yeah, you know, all yeah. All, all bearded dragons have the potential to have salmonella, but there's a group of bearded dragons that have a higher chance of having salmonella. 
and uh, yeah, and it looks like looks like only thirty two illnesses linked to this outbreak as of the latest from CDC. So it could be yes, I might be looking at an, an older one. Um, so yeah, this is one from from January this year. Yeah, yeah. So the I think the the like thing here that uh, oh yeah, there it is. Um, so th- this is the thing you you don't know you don't know whether your bearded dragon has salmonella. Right. Like, and, and it, and it could be that your bearded dragon came with salmonella. Um, and, and you don't, you, it, it's, it's up to the people that, that are breeding the bearded dragons to reduce the risk for you and the people that are procuring the bearded dragons, um, that you can purchase them at. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So bearded dragon check, uh, influencer. What? Um, there, uh, you, you put something in about long haul COVID. Do you want to, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Do you know what that also that's about? Um, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, you know what? Yes. So this is something that I found from Twitter from your your friend in real life and my friend on the internet, Matt Shipman. Matt Shipman, yes. And this this is an article from you can't tell it from the title, but it's from the NC State Alumni Magazine. Yeah, and I just put this in here um, because I just found it to be an incredibly touching and moving article. And so this is it's an article written by Eleanor Spicer Rice. Um, and because it's an alumni magazine, they always give her years and it's 03 and 12, uh, PhD. And she is an entomologist and a science communicator, I think at NC state. And she has long COVID and it's, it's just brutal. I mean, I just, I just, I, I was just very touched by the article. I was really touched by her writing and her as a, as somebody, as a PhD scientist, but as a science communicator, uh, it just was a, again, just sort of a, a gut wrenching, but really, really w- worth, worth reading, just f- worth reading just because it, again, it just really, it really just kind of touched me. That's all that I don't yeah. have much to say other than you should, if you are thinking about, if you're interested in long haul COVID, and we know some other people too, that have long haul COVID and it's not, it's not good. It just, it sucks. And I don't know what to do. I can't, I don't know what to do for these people other than feel bad and encourage researchers to research it. Um, Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't have a very articulate comments other than to say I saw this and it moved. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Eleanor, um, in Mm. fact, uh, pre pre COVID, I didn't, I didn't know about this until I also read it from, from, uh, from ships posting Um, Eleanor, Mm. when my kids were little, um, we spent like a really awesome afternoon hanging out um with the with the shipman family and a couple other families the the my uh, my friend rob dunn i think i've mentioned rob a couple mm-hmm. times yep. on the podcast yep. Yep. um and eleanor and we we traipsed around the woods out near um near uh ship's house with our kids and uh looking for for ants and other oh, man items. and so eleanor um has written a whole bunch of um i, I think really re- like really cool science writing science um uh books around entomology and so dr eleanor's common ants dr eleanor's common spiders um dr eleanor's common ants of chicago and of new york city just really cool kind of kind of stuff 
Um, and, and she, uh, she's just a wonderful, wonderful person in my, um, in my interactions. And I, I was a little, when I read this, I was like, oh, that, I mean, I, that, like, like you said, that this, this sucks. Like this is a terrible disease that you don't know how it's going to hit individuals. And, and, um, and you, we, like you said, we have a couple other friends who are in public health who, who are battling long COVID and are, are never the, I mean, I, my my guesses are are never going to be the same the same people that they were before the the pandemic and it's uh, it makes me it makes me sad and and I want to I want to support them however however we can um, but yeah anyway it was I saw this and I was like I wonder why this is why you put it in but that's a really I'm glad we I'm glad we're talking about it yeah um so there's a new food code out <laughs> I'm doing a <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing a Beat webinar the new on boss. This. Beat the new boss. Same Beat as the, the new old boss. boss. <laughs> yeah. Somebody <laughs> somebody emailed me. Oh, it's our good friend um from Walmart. Um uh, oh god damn it. Um Bala. Bala Kalapali. He's worked at so Bala, many different yeah. companies. Um and um he emailed me with some questions about the annex. Um and I'm like you know, that's the current annex, but I think it's the same as the old annex. Um, and in fact, I wrote an article back when I was doing some work for Jetro Restaurant Depot on food out of temperature control. I critiqued that bit of the annex and it's still there. And uh, and, and Bala asked me, and Bala, I, I, I love and, and dread when Bala sends me an email because it's it's typically very thoughtful and it's not going to be easy to answer. And I was so happy once I figured out what he was asking about, I could say, oh, you know what? This whole section of the annex is bullshit. And yeah, sorry, bleep <laughs> that. Um, oh, and no. here, yeah. read my critique of it. Um, and I hope it's helpful and, you know, fight the good fight. So, yeah, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with the agency and with their code. Um, I'm glad that you and Patrick are doing this. And I look forward, I probably won't listen, but no. uh, maybe you can give me the highlights uh, at a later date and time. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you the highlights now because there's two things now, that I want to cool. tell you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've been working on this over the last couple of days. Um, and, and so for listeners, th this almost certainly won't post until after this webinar happens because I'm behind one show already. Um, but uh, I'm doing this webinar that I'm sure will be recorded for the National Restaurant Association um, and their food safety group and our friend Patrick Guzzle and our other friend uh, Larry Lynch. And uh, the idea is to spend an hour talking about changes to the food code. So I've just sent you a link of the summary of changes in the food code. And we've talked, I, I wouldn't say exhaustively, like I would uh, uh, about this, but you and I, we enjoy our time with the conference for food protection and the rec the recommended changes to the food code that we have been part of. And there's some interesting. <laughs> yes. Mostly, right? mostly we're interested because we're part of it. Yes, exactly. Yes. But but here's what I want to highlight for you because I'm not sure if you've seen this. I um I I I knew that they had wanted me to talk about some stuff, so I reserved really diving into the changes until last week. So I felt mm -hmm. real fresh on it. But I think yeah. you are aware of a long. I, I would say this. We 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 on Council Three talked about the water temperature of hand washing mm -hmm. sinks mm -hmm. for what felt like hours. And, and, and we made a recommendation, I believe, which was to amend the food code, not 
to have a specific temperature, but that hot water temperature at a hand sink was tempered, tem- tempered, I believe, right? Was the, the right. word that we, we use. Right. And the the way, yeah, the way we got to that was that this was a term that was already defined in the plumbing code. um, And so people felt comfortable appealing to the authority of another code, basically. And and that was what enabled us to move forward with that. But now, are you going to give me a turns out here? Oh, yeah. There's a turns out here at the end, Don. This chapter five was changed. Chapter five, water, plumbing, and waste uh, from the food code 5-202.com. One, two. Um, it was amended, Don. So hooray. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amended to revise the hot water temperature of the hand sink from at least 38 degrees Celsius, 100 degrees Fahrenheit, to at least 29.4 degrees Celsius, 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, there's the I turns out, Don. That, well, and on the one hand, I'm disappointed, Ben, because it's not based on science, uh, uh-huh, because we uh-huh. presented a paper um, which basically showed whether you washed at 180 or 60, the effect was the same, right? And the person-to-person variability is so great that you can't really um, distinguish. But on the other hand, at least now some um, jerk health inspector is not going to walk in, turn on the sink hot water, find that it's 98 degrees and issue a citation, right? Right, so, but, but they yeah. will find that if it's, it's less than four degrees yes. and issue a citation. But, but here's the thing. If you're, if your hot water is not able to produce, if your sink is not able to produce hot water at at least 85, I'm okay with them dinging you. It's not based on science. It's just more yeah. based on stupidity. Like, like how, how can you have hot water? That's not more than 85 that, that doesn't, you know, that I, in fact, what I, what I should do, I, if, if I had a sink right here, I would do it right now. I would like to, I've got a very nice precision controlled sink in my kitchen. Um, I could, I want to, I want to figure out what 85 degree water feels like, cause I bet it doesn't feel super hot. So I, yeah, um, I bet you're right. Yeah. I, I think the one for me that bothers me about this, um, and it's something that I expressed in our deliberations on this explicitly is that in many situations, hot water is not under the restaurant's control, right? Like they don't have, if, if we're looking at a food court, if we're looking at, um, a, you know, th- they have a landlord that's running a business that has other things that are going on in that, in that business or in that building, the, the business itself, yeah, they exist within it. And, and they, they do need to be able to focus on a lot of physical issues, um, that, that happen within those facilities. But this is one where the temperature of the water, they, they could get dinged for something that, that, that they, they don't have fully under their code and it's not science-based, right? Like I was, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I missed the landlord angle. Yeah. You're right. I mean, if, if I, if I have a dirty restaurant and I'm not cooking the foods properly, that's kind of on me, but if I've got a, a crappy landlord that won't fix the hot water heater, that's kind of on them. Um, but, but they're again, not the ones hope, who yeah. like the, the grade's not going up in the landlord Yelp. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, but I, 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 I that, that's see, you're just an idea, man. They're going to have to run with that. But landlord yeah. Yelp, landlord Yelp could be a whole thing, Ben. Oh, I, yes. I, we've just created another industry. Landlord I, Yelp. Landlord take, Yelp. Somebody's got to run with that. Take that, take that. It's fine. That's a free one. That's a freebie from us. Uh, so the other, uh, 
there are a couple of the other like I, I would say significant changes um that that I think are ones to highlight. One is uh you know we you don't you and I don't spend a whole lot of time on food allergens talking talking about them. I mean we do we do um bring them up uh here but it's not something that we do a lot of our, our research or extension work in. But um sesame has now been added uh mm-hmm. to to the list of um major allergens that that are talked about in the food code and and then um really uh, that allergen control needs to encounter or not encounter um a, a, a be be focused on and so the you know the big ones milk egg fish um uh, uh, uh tree nuts almond or yeah uh, wheat peanut soybeans and now sesame those are the those are the ones um and then then i'm gonna uh, call out um uh, i guess like kind of a fun one um and, and i want to just get, like call out a couple of um uh people and one former student who really drove this um uh nicole arnold who's now a, a an assistant professor at uh, the ohio state university um and uh she is part of her work in her masters did a lot of work on non-intact meats and blade tenderization of meat and uh, uh over the course of her her career really led the um, the the push to have more consistent definitions in the food code around these products, and uh, she was she was successful in that. Um, and uh, now mechanically tenderized, the definition is is the same in the food code. Um, that uh, or essentially the same. It has the same products uh, in the food code that it covers that FSIS uh, looks at. And so I know that sounds really pedantic that there are two federal um, regulatory bodies that look at the same food differently from a definition. And because of Nicole's push and work and getting the support of the both the industry and regulators, the, those definitions are the same because it does impact what happens at like a butcher shop. Um, because FSIS looks at something and and FDA looks at something else, or at least the local health department looks at something else as per FDA. Um, she was able to make it. So they're looking at the same thing and including injection, um, and cubing, pounding and vacuum tumbling now. So, um, yeah. So I think that was, I just want to give a shout out to her because I was really proud of her for, for really driving that. And, um, another friend of the show and friend of ours, Lily Yang, uh, who is a graduate student at Virginia Tech, also was part of the um, the submission and and preparing this. Uh, and uh, and also uh, give a shout out to Mary Avalek on my team, who also has been around the world of um, uh, vacuum tumbling, cubing, pounding, and, uh, uh, and 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 everything related to uh, mechanical tenderizing of beef because uh, she was helping out a little bit w- uh, when she was in her former role. So anyway, congrats to those those folks for actually changing the food code to something that is consistent and science-based. Yeah, and th- this reminded me of two very different um, non-food safety related things that I that I just want to mention. And your, your comment about adding sesame um, reminded me of a very funny uh, video 
uh, that I that I saw uh, entitled "You Have No Rights," by which is a wonderful bit by George Carlin. Uh, we'll link to the YouTube. It's only about four and a half minutes. Uh, but what he talks about is, you know, that these rights are God given, but for some reason God has seen fit to give people in different countries different numbers of rights <laughs> that are different. <laughs> and so this reminds me of allergies and the fact that we've added sesame in this country, but other countries may have already had sesame, and so, you know. <clears throat> Anyway, just it's a it's sort of a, a weird analogy, but that's where my head yeah. came to. And then with uh, with respect to the meat tenderization, um, I can't find the quote, um, but we'll link to another article by by Stan Kaplan. But there's a wonderful quote in uh, risk analysis or risk assessment where Stan Kaplan says half of the problems in risk assessment come from people using different words to mean the same thing, and the other half from come from people using the same words to mean different things. And so anytime that we can get harmonization between USDA FSI and FDA is is a good thing uh, because it reduces confusion. And we've been working um, this last cycle on, a, I've, I've been, uh, as, as chair of council three, I've been overseeing a bunch of committees that have been doing a bunch of different things. And one of them is dealing with disinfectants. And we had a, just a wonderful, wonderful person from EPA who is involved in this whole idea of disinfectants, which are of course regulated by EPA, but they're used in, um, you know, uh, restaurants and facilities that are you know regulated by food codes which are in part based on the model food code and so that's really interesting and then we've also been working on another one on on meat grinding and again and there's another example where you have the interplay between FDA and USDA FSIS and it's hard right i mean it's, we have this very weird food safety system that no one ever would have designed on purpose. It sort of evolved over time, you know, and it's, and we're constantly pruning that evolutionary bush and we're lopping off branches some places and we're adding branches other places. And, and it's, 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 it's fun to be a part of the process. And it's, I mean, again, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm always disappointed um, in FDA, um, but I know they're doing the best they can. And it's, it's good to see that they came out with uh, a new code and, and just in time for us to get together uh in uh april uh in in texas and and uh change it again for them or do another one suggest yeah. suggest changes that they will do what they want with <laughs> yes yes yeah what uh see uh previous conversation about tempered about versus 85 degrees yep. yeah yep uh, um so one one last one that i want to highlight that i think is good for for you and i and all the good doggies out there <laughs> is that there is a change so the food code um had had created a kind of a a situation that um not create a situation it's it, and i'll read what it used to say or it still says in some places um I, the uh, live animals may not be allowed on the premises of a food establishment this is in 6-501 uh part 115 prohibiting animals and the food code has now changed to add a part d of an exemption here because there are some exemptions including service animals um but now if approved by the regulatory authority food establishments may allow pet dogs in outdoor dining areas so dogs on a patio dogs at a brewery dogs outdoors um as part of you know a food establishment everything is fine now uh and and it i i think what what had happened here was that the, this in practice was happening all over the place Right, uh, right. And now it is recognized uh, within the food code that it's okay 
to allow that local regulatory authority to approve um, something like this. Not and but but I but it's good for the dogs of the world and the dog owners of the world, Don. I you know I know you're you um you've got you've got a couple of dogs. Um, mm-hmm. you've got you've got Brett Michaels, um, mm-hmm. and the and the other dog. Uh, mm-hmm. no Gibbs Gibbs and and Bianca. Um, Bianca, very good. Yep. And uh, and but but I I I don't I think from you and I knowing each other for a long time, you're not you're not often taking Gibbs and Bianca to to outdoor dining right like that's not something that that you guys are doing a lot of no i would not i i don't i don't take gives anywhere that i don't have full control of the environment around him just because yeah. he's so it's so nuts around other dogs uh, bianca would be fine at an outdoor dining establishment um pretty much we're not going to any indoor or outdoor dining right. establishment still um unless we're traveling and of course if we're traveling we don't have the dogs with us yeah well, and and we have a we've got a local a local establishment here that we can walk the dog to, um, or take the dog um, uh, in our in our bougie golf cart. Golf cart, yeah. Uh, and then we like to sit outside and and have a nice like meal. Uh, and and this is a place called Chow. I'll I'll give a shout out because I'll tell you that although they don't sponsor the 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 podcast, they certainly contribute to my um to my life because uh, I eat there right during the hockey season like on a weekly basis usually after hockey practice on friday nights and then during the um the non-hockey season we like to go there a lot and we like to take stanley and he he likes to lay underneath our our table and and i know that here in wake county this is something that um has been allowed uh as as an exemption to the food code but i'm glad that now um stanley and chow are not operating uh outside of the federal rules either um and uh and, and yeah it's, but but i think it's a recognition of you know dogs on patios are pretty low risk dogs in a um in a kitchen i'm not not super supportive of that so i think that dropping the prohibiting animals aspect of the food code is is was a bad idea but adding this on where you know if the local authorities comes and takes a look and says you know what you've got a good outdoor dining area that you could do this in go for it and and you know the the really and this is something the that that I, you know we've talked about in the past on this the biggest risk is not around food safety it's really like dog bites and allergies um, right so right. but but yeah so those were, oh I was I was at a, I was at a meeting in uh in Tampa what meeting was I at in Tampa um oh God it's terrible I remember it was Tampa I was walking around uh there was, was a uh, was it IAF Publix we were in Tampa no. Was that that wasn't for IFP though? No, recently. Oh, um, oh well, I've, I've, I'll remember in a minute. But mostly, what I remember is uh, at the uh, Starbucks, um, I met a delightful uh, French bulldog who was inside Aww. waiting in line at the Starbucks. Um, and of course, that would be in violation of the food code. But I, it, you know, it was fine. I mean, who's a good boy? She wasn't. Who's yeah, a good girl. girl. I think her, good... I think it was Pen- I think it was Penny was her name. Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe girl. not Penny. Maybe, that's maybe that's my. Uh, my my step my stepmother my uh my stepmother mother my my mother-in-law my mother-in-law's dog oh well um, there you go but anyway uh, a very i met a very sweet french bulldog indoors at a starbucks but it was fine uh, she wasn't uh, contaminating the food so no oh, good 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 um yeah so those were the big i mean i think the big things so you don't have to come to the to the the webinar now because those are the things we're going to okay, talk cool. about um okay don i wanted to talk one other thing i i only have one thing on my list i don't know like we we you you also could could talk about oh it was it was society for risk analysis ben that's why oh 
Yeah. And was Michelle there? You got to see Michelle? Uh, yo, I got to see yeah. Michelle. Yes. Michelle and yeah. Tom Ross. Uh, Tom yeah. Ross from Australia and Michelle from just down the road. Michelle did not come to the meeting, but she did come to dinner with Tom and I. So that was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Um, Don, could you tell me, I just want to ask you just cold. You don't know what I'm going to talk mm -hmm. about, but nope. I, could, could you describe the towels in your kitchen? You like uh, tea towels, kitchen towels. Um, just describe them to me. Give me, give me like four or five things about them that I don't know. I don't, I've never been to your kitchen. Yeah. Um, I don't know um, anything about them. They're different colors. Uh, there's a blue and white one uh, that was slightly damp that I spread out so it would dry. Okay. Uh, they're usually, oh, there's a small one uh, that has some coffee stains on it uh, because my, my wife was complaining uh, that I was getting the regular towels dirty with my coffee um stains and so now i've got a couple of dedicated really more like washcloth size towels that i only use for cleaning up my coffee um i kind of gives you and we've, we've got probably three or four in use at any one time did yeah, that tell yeah. you enough it does it does and in fact the okay. first thing that you said was where i wanted to to go and i don't i i this is not so um they're, they're different colors right um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Are, well, and yes, yeah. not, and not just from the food that's on them because they, they come in different colors and they do. The, and there's, we have several sets that are in various stages of rotation and, and, uh, disrepair or, or degradation. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to read a, a, a paragraph for you. Okay. okay. Uh, from, from the internet, uh, from the daily meal. Um, uh, the headline is for peak kitchen safety. Oh, I'm in right, right there, Don. Color code your towels. So you have different colors. You're halfway there. Um, they write, as America's Test Kitchen explains, it's a good idea to color code your kitchen towels. Okay. Okay. I'm interested. Tell me more. You could, for example, have a red kitchen towel designated for drying dishes and utensils after you're done cooking. A white dish towel can be used to clean surfaces. And that one novelty dish towel you're pretty sure your aunt gave you can be used exclusively to dry your hands. Having a kitchen towel for one purpose rather than one kitchen towel for all kitchen-based purposes helps, and this is the part I want you to just listen and focus on, Don, helps to reduce the risk of cross-contamination. What, what's your what's your initial thoughts in, in what I just, just read to you? Um, it seems overly complicated. Um, it will appeal to some people. Um, my, our strategy, my strategy is to try to let them dry out and so that they're not all bunched up. Um, if any of them fall into the dishwasher and get dish water and get really wet, uh, they go to be washed. Um, if any of them have been used to clean up things that are obviously contaminated with pathogens or might be contaminated with pathogens like uh, dog vomit or um, raw chicken juices, then they immediately go to be washed. So... But right. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, it seems overly complicated. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. If, if somebody wants to do that, Ben, what we famously do on this show is we don't tell people what to do. Um, we just like to tell them what is important and they can make up their own minds. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I got into this, right? Like I, I think that this adds a layer of complication that's not needed. It's all the stuff that you talked about thinking about what's happening in those um matters more than am i using the right color for for the right for the right thing and ultimately right. they're all going to end up in the washing machine getting washed one would together, one would hope yeah. right yeah so yeah. um 
So the, the you know the uh, Daily Meal says you wouldn't be drying your hands with the towel you just used to clean up spilled cooking oil, just as you wouldn't be using the towel you used to clean the stovetop to clean the dishes. Well, I don't think color ma- yeah right like I don't think color yeah, matters on that. And I, I'm okay with well, that. Yeah, and and honestly, if I had if I used a towel to clean up uh, oil. Um, I wouldn't want to wash my hands with that because I don't want oil on my hands, right? Yeah. And if it, if it had been used to clean up a large volume of oil, I would throw it into the wash. If it had been used to clean up a small volume of oil, I would, yeah, I would absolutely use it to wash my hands. Maybe on the part of the towel that didn't have oil on it, right? So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, the the last little bit of this article, um, I'll, I'll read and I just want to get your reaction to it. Reader's Digest tells us that a dish towel can actually be one of the dirtiest things in your home, considering how much grime, grease, and food it collects as you scrub scrub with it. It's recommended to wash the towels every so often, collecting your used towels in a wastebasket and then washing them as a single load. If washing them doesn't remove any stains or or seems to damage them even more, it's time to toss them in the recycle bin. I I don't, like, first of all, I don't think I can recycle um, dish towels here in in, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, because we our recycling is a little bit antiquated, but it's this, this, it strikes me as a really interesting way to approach like science communication where it's like, be really prescriptive, get the right color, but also don't be very prescriptive about when it is to wash, just do it every so often. And you said how exactly how I would say it is you should really wash these towels when you contaminate them. Not every so often, right? Like think about it. It's like miss. It's like, overly prescriptive in one area of this article and really underly prescriptive in another one uh, that makes well and makes it confusing and also i don't think reader's digest is publishes peer-reviewed research so no. and if you go if you click on the reader's digest link it says um it talks about bailey carson the head of cleaning at handy um and a study by the american society of microbiology well Again, I suspect that the American Society for for Microbiology, I believe is the name of the organization, they also don't do studies. Uh, They have a journal that publishes studies. um, And in fact, this was not even a study in the journal. This was a a late breaker uh, at ASM Microbe 2018 in Atlanta entitled Kitchen Towel as Risk Factor for Home-Based Food Poisoning. Again, nothing against the authors, but it, you know, it's it's a poster or a technical presentation at a scientific meeting hasn't been published. I really expected that we would see some research from Chuck Gerba in here, uh, but it turns out no, um, although he has certainly published on towels. And so there's, there is a, an ample literature. In fact, I think I've even been part of it uh, in a paper with uh, Tom Humphreys uh, also published um, uh, by the American society of microbiology or former microbiology. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, there's there's there is research on this, but just because anyway, I, just because you find germs on towels, you have to yeah. There's a difference between publishing a paper on something and coming up with useful actionable advice. See also spice containers. <laughs> what? Yeah, right, right. Don, now I'm in a rabbit hole. I've I I, I half listened to what you were talking about. I've been googling something. <laughs> um, and what I've been listening, what I've been googling is when you said head of cleaning at handy. I thought, what what does that even mean? What is first of all, what is handy? What could the head of cleaning title be? Um, and so I don't know if this is the right thing. I found handy.com. There, there, this is easy, reliable ways to take care of your home. 
They've got home cleaning, furniture assembly, TV mounting, wall hanging. There's a lot of things uh, about about who you know what what you could do. Home renovations, lawn care, handy. But with head of cleaning, it's such a very very like that is that in someone's LinkedIn profile? Um, so that was another question I asked myself as I Googled it, and, and all I could find was um, that there is someone on LinkedIn who is not the person who is um, quoted in the, the article, but there's a Neil Patterson is CEO of handy cleaning services, which I think is a totally different group, but I, I don't know. Um, hand the head of cleaning at handy makes me laugh so hard. Well, I, um, I think, I think that I think, yeah. So I found, I found, uh, Bailey Carson, who was the head of, who was the head of cleaning at handy. She's now the gen, general manager, um, book now at Angie. Um, oh, and Angie, uh, she's Angie a home, and handy. She, She's a home expert. She's an expert review board member. Um, she's the head of Angie Services Book Now. Um, she's the SVP. She was the SVP of Growth at Handy HQ. Um, yeah, it's, it's, this is. Uh, she's got an MBA from the Harvard Business School, and she's got a BS in Business Administration and Accounting. So I'm wow. not sure that I would go to her for food safety advice, but okay. <laughs> You know what? That's interesting. I think I found the CEO of of uh, of Handy, Neil Patterson, who also was CEO of the Cerner Corporation, which is a health information technology service, and uh, and he also owned uh, Sporting uh, Kansas City, um, the now the 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 uh, the soccer team. Um, so, wow. Uh, wait, yeah. wait. I, now my internet is telling me the CEO of Handy is a guy named Osin. Hanrahan. Is that not the same person that you found? <laughs> Sorry, did you say the CEO of Handy is someone named Osin Handrahan or Hanrahan? Is there a Handy? Han, is- Han- I'll 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 put it in the in the chat for you. Um please do, please do. But yes, Osin Hanrahan. <laughs> Osin Hanrahan. Okay, well, I I just found something on on the there you go, uh on on LinkedIn, it's a different it's a different person. Neil, Neil also Thomas. did 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 Angie buy Handy? Apparently, the answer is yes. Oh my gosh, what a rabbit hole! Handy co-founder Osin Hanrahan is taking over as the CEO of An- Angie Home Services. Well, and CEO. Of- Oof, oh, I, this is I the whole thing I didn't even know existed. And and honestly, these these people have no business talking about food safety. Right I mean, there, we go. They're they're, they're business yeah. people. They're they they're in the they're in the health information uh, business. Right, just uh, trading trading info. Um, three tips for outlasting the competition from Handy's CEO, o- Oisin Hanrahan. But who's this Neil Patterson guy? I don't know. I think he. I think he created. I, I don't know who he is. I'm not sure. What, maybe it's a different guy. Maybe just maybe there's like a a LinkedIn profile for someone who is totally not o- not Oisin Oisin. Um. All right. Well. Uh, g- Color code your towels or not? I don't know. It seems like a waste of time. Just wash your <laughs> wash your towels when they're when you do something that's contaminated with them. Hey, uh, hey, we should, we we probably should have done this show. This show we should probably should have done this show another time. We probably should have done this 
uh, article after we talked about dogs in restaurants. But I do want to talk about an article for the farmer's dog that I was yeah. quoted in, yeah, um, yes. which is uh, entitled, um, how often should I wash my dog's food bowl and other questions about cleaning for canines? And so the I was uh, contacted by uh, the person that wrote this article whose name is John Zeller. And, and again, I, you, you, like, like you, I get a fair number of contacts from media people. And a lot of times it's run of the mill stuff that I could answer in my sleep, but occasionally somebody wants to dig in um, and, and talk about something in detail. And John, and John actually asked me a bunch of really pithy and interesting questions, starting with how often should I clean my dog's bowls? And, and again, thanks to John um, for uh, for quoting me and also um, uh, mentioning that I'm a co-host of a podcast, Ben, you may have heard of, uh, called Risky or Not. I'm um, not familiar with their work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Did you hear my bell? No. I, cause, I want, yeah, because we no, have uh, we got audio. Thing on. Tur yep. Bell turned off. I rang my bell, Ben. Um and so what I what I said here to to John is the level of risk really depends upon your job dog's habits, um, <laughs> uh, and my dogs uh, clean their plates, and so you know there's not really much food there, and so we just put them in the dishwasher. So I'm not really super worried about my dog's dishes. But anyway, it was just I just want to give uh, a shout out. Uh, there's nothing in particular I want to talk about in this article unless there's something that you want to talk about. But I, it's it was fun. It was fun to do a deep dive on dog food safety for a website, the, the farmer's dog, uh, which is basically just all about like advice for people and dogs. And so it was just, it was just a lot of fun, just a lot of fun to, to talk to, uh, to talk to John uh, on the internet and to try to answer his questions. And, and again, thanks to you for doing uh risky or not with me, because this is something that we have thought about and talked yeah. about um, on this podcast and on the other podcast. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, uh, my, my dog eats dry food and, uh, mm -hmm. also eats it all. Uh, and there's very little to, um, to clean, but there's a little bit of, um, I guess like residue every once in a while from his ears. Cause he, he's got really long ears that that'll, um, hang in oh, yes. Bowl yes. and then yes. go to his food bowl. Well, cause he'll go back and forth a little bit and yep. like a meal, like a, like a human meal. Um, yep. and, uh, and then it, he, the, so what we find is after about a week, there's some, um, there's some residue. Uh, and so we just wash his, his bowls every once a week kind of thing. Um, but I have, I have a friend, this, this actually made me think of something that we started to, um, investigate a while ago. I have a friend, uh, and colleague in the college of vet medicine here at NC state, Megan Jacob. And, um, and Megan, it was also the uh, co-advisor for uh, Dr. Catherine Gensler, who you worked with on her um, her goat risk uh, model for petting zoos uh, and animal interactions. Um, and anyway, Meg and I, we we talked about this a while ago about like maybe doing a little bit of a survey of what kind of pathogens exist in dog bowls, that understanding the the interface between pet food and human like illnesses a little more. Um, and we just, uh, that all kind of fell apart. Like we were going to do it. And then the, then the pandemic hit and then the person who was really driving us to do it left NC state. And so we never really did it. So I don't have any data, but I, 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 am very interested in, um, in this, uh, in, in this discussion just personally, cause we got a long, long haired, uh, basset hound. 
Yeah, um, and I do know. Um, yeah, so um, people have actually studied dog food. Um, there's a, a bunch of articles. Uh, yeah, Abani uh, Pradham, who is our colleague at uh, University of Maryland, has done a bunch of stuff on dog food. Uh, there's a paper uh, modeling the long-term kinetics of salmonella survival on dry pet food, uh, but there's also a bunch of a bunch of other. Uh, they did a whole bunch of studies on on pet food, as I recall, or more than more than one study. So we'll we'll see if I'm looking looking for dog food, and I should be looking for pet food. Um, yeah. So interesting stuff. Um, yeah. So people have studied this. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they did a quantitative risk assessment for human and pet exposure to salmonella associated with dry pet foods. Uh, pet, they did an article on pet food safety. Actually, that's oh, Buchanan's interest in pet foods goes back a long time. So this was a uh, Bob Buchanan article. I think I think it's our, our Bob, uh, R.L. Buchanan uh, from 2011 on pet food safety, a shared concern. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the one because I was a peer reviewer on this. Assessing the potential for salmonella growth in rehydrated dry dog food. Because uh, apparently some people have a, a habit of um, taking their dry food and adding water to it, um, which is why would anybody do that? But apparently people do. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Um, I So there, there's there's one more thing here in our folder that I can't remember if you put in or I put in. But I did want to mm -hmm. talk about um, uh, quickly. Uh, well, yeah. So, um, it, it, well, there's two things, but I want to pick what, which one. So let's talk about this one. Don, yeah. how long can you leave an open jar of jam on the counter? Um, how long, till it goes, how long can till, you leave it there? Till it, till it goes moldy? Yes. Or about one month, according to um, the tasting table. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I am, are, I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this or if it's just happening in my head, the tasting table as a source of like food and food safety information. Have you, have we talked about the tasting table at all? Do you know what I'm like, the, this, this is like an internet place. Um, I don't, I, we talk about a lot of these internet we places. I, this is not one that rings a bell for me. So it is coming up over and over again in hmm. my um, Apple News sphere. Really? And, and hmm. I don't, I'll tell you, I don't like it. I don't like it huh. at all. I feel like this is being created by, what's it called? Chat GPT. Oh, yes. So. Yes. And, and I don't know. Like, I mean, it. The tasting table, and uh, you know, someone from the tasting table is probably going to reach out and and correct all this. And no, they're they're a real journalist. It's just like really surfacey stuff where there's a question that pops up, and then they quote. Well, they don't even quote. They go to find five or six other secondary or tertiary sources where someone talked about this, and then they write an article about it. So this is one, um, like that exactly does this. Essentially, um. They go to USDA recommendations and say that in general, a 12 month period for storing unopened jams in your pantry and six months for storing them in the fridge after opening. But it's also, it's, it's always advised to consult the best buy date on any particular item. And that's basically the answer that they give. But then they well, say some, that, but somewhere yeah. they say about a month. Yeah. And then they say, according to cake decorists, your jam should be safe to eat for about a month after opening. Refrigeration can extend its shelf life, but because jam has a pH level of three, which I would say is an oversimplification, not all yep. jam does, 
um, there's no harm, no oh. harm in storing it in your pantry. Well, you've, uh, you've left out the parenthetical phrase, Ben. Bacteria grows most in pH uh, levels of 6.5 to 7. There's at least two things wrong with that. Right. I'm banging my head <laughs> against my microphone. Can you hear that? Do you hear that? I hear okay. I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so here's why I don't like the tasting table, Don, is because they ask a question and they give two separate answers to it. And and that's it. Um, they end with storing your jam in a cool, dark place will increase your chances of it lasting long enough to make it to your family brunch. That like I, I'm just I don't know. I I I've I now read their stuff because it comes up in the algorithm. And then I read it and Oof. think there's no answer here. So, so Don, how long can you leave an open jar on the jam of jam on the counter? And I think your answer, well, let me, you let already me answered ref- is the way to go. Well, let me rephrase the question. How long do I leave a jar of jam on the counter? As long as it takes for me to get jam out of the jar. And then I put it back in the refrigerator like a gentleman. Me too. And that's and what I'm, you should do too, right? Yeah. And, and if you forget and you leave it out overnight, no big deal. Also, if the jam has mold, throw it out. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm leave it out as long as you want, but throw it out when it gets moldy, I guess. I mean... Yeah, it's uh, mostly I'm now interested in uh, clicking on the headlines, Emerald Lagasse basically vanished, and it's really no secret why, or Ruth's Chris versus Morton's, which is a better steakhouse. I'm telling you, this is the tasting table. You have just always used paprika to season fried eggs. Here's why. (laughs) Right? Um, Yeah. Oof. Like it's just not a good the and and I mean it, it so can do you see my hey, my point of like how it well, feels like it's AI like there's well, no and, answer but but it's but it's like like they they've spent they've spent about as much money on hiring good headline writers as they've spent on writers yeah. <laughs> or maybe more on the headline writers like it's all clickbait right I I mean I want to read all these articles based on the headline until I read the article and then I'm like well. That wasn't really what I, you know, I got a fool me once, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a shame that they're showing up in your Apple News and you can't just, uh, just, you know, crank that lever down. There must be, I mean, there's got to be a way to do that. I just haven't explored it. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the, I'm frustrated by them because this is almost every article that I read, which is ask a question, don't answer it, give four different answers to it, and then say, so best of luck. Um, yeah. and, and maybe actually that's what we do on this podcast too, but at least we try to put, to, I, put together some, I don't, some date. We, I don't we know. try to well, answer. On, yeah. on the other podcast, we have to come up with an answer because uh, that's right. in the name of the show. Um, in this one, we're allowed to waff, waffle, dither, and equivocate. But I think in the end, we also try to explain stuff to people, right? I yes. mean, and admittedly, it's about making fun of and, and the japes and the jabs and the, you know, the vaguely, um, you know, R-rated references to certain websites, but or X. I mean, I don't know. I've never, I've never been to that website. I don't know anything about it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope we're entertaining and educating. Whereas I'm not sure that the tasting table is doing either. Right. 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 I mean, maybe certain people are entertained and they're sort of educated, but yeah, I, it could. It, they could do better. I think tasting table do better. Yeah, tasting table do better, and and maybe like interview somebody. Right? right, like right. Th- th- that. Other than right. aggregate nine different sources from the internet that you can find and be like, okay, well, here it all is. Um, so right, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. 
Um, because you know, even the quote that they do have here about that refrigeration can extend shelf life, bacteria grows most in those pH levels. It is explains Eric Seeden, Director of Nutrition and Food Services for Glen Cove, Plainview, and Syosset Hospitals in New York per Huffington Post. Right? Like they're not even they're not even talking to to Glen Cove from the from the from where I get all of my jam information from the hospitals. Right. Right. Director of nutrition. Right. Director of nutrition and food services. Nothing wrong with that, but I no. not who I would go to for food safety information. No. In my home. Right. Right. Uh, right. Well, hopefully, hopefully he's doing a good job at uh Glencoe, Plainville, and Syosset hospitals. Yeah. What are they doing with the jam there? They just keep it out there for anywhere from a month to a year. Uh I got to imagine hospitals are just using those little one-off self-contained jam packets, right? I would think I so. Mean, what yeah. else are they would they be using? Uh, I don't know. Well, Don, I uh, I've got a heart out here, so I think yep. in, unless there's uh, unless there's anything nope. pressing, I think that's a show. All right, oh. all right. <laughs> Awkwardly, um, bye. bye. Is imitation crab meat actually made of? Oh, well, that's, crab. A, that's a def, that's a definitive answer. I think you can. I think it's a one. It's a what should be a one word article. Oh. Yeah. Um, Don, did you know that you should add cheese to your burger while it's on the grill? That's what. That's what. Uh, I, best cooking tips from Rachel Ray for home chefs. You know what I need is a French trip for a French trick for scrambled eggs. Yeah, yeah. Or um, now, Don, think about when you're making a frittata, just use one egg for every inch of pan. I don't even know how to answer. I don't even know what, 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 you know, we, we've, we make a lot of frittatas. Just see, this is still the show. We make a lot of frittatas. We got to wrap soon because we need it. We need to schedule and hard out. But um, we, my, my lovely wife has become very good at making frittatas. And you know what? This is one of the foods that she is very comfortable now just winging. And so, you know, if you want to know the right number of eggs to make a frittata, just make a lot of frittatas and you'll figure it out (laughs) or use a recipe. If if you, you gotta, you gotta break some eggs if you're going to make a frittata. That's that's what they say. Uh, I, I, I wish I wish you could hear my bell. I would ring it. Don, um, I, th- before we leave this, because Tasting Table yes. is driving me crazy. 
Um, now, when you're making your pumpkin lids, do you add clumps of butter before putting them in the oven? I don't even know what a pumpkin lid is. I, I don't is either. that a lid on a pumpkin? <laughs> it's Pumpkins are off. This is, again, pumpkins are awesome vessels to serve meals in. What better way to sling some festive food than a, in a massive squash that everyone already associates with fall? There's no better way. And Ray knows it. Knows it. That's Rachel Ray. That's why she takes oh her why why she takes to her kitchen and shows her viewers so essentially tasting table watched a rachel ray show and then they <laughs> reported on it well that's good everybody needs content somehow right oh it's a oh I'm, uh my, content my. is a flat circle the uh all right let's schedule our next one um oh gosh let me see what does wednesday february 8th look like looks good uh you want to do something like in the afternoon sure like uh one till three sure all right let's do that fst one till three actually i'm gonna make it's wide open i'm gonna schedule one till 3 30 so i can edit and we don't have a hard out. Perfect. Okay. I think that's it. Um, I'm going to go to All the right. bathroom. And then uh, I I will post our previous show. Because now I got two in the can. Which is never where I want to be. Uh, but that's where it is. Sorry. Sounds good. I will cool. get these uh, links to you shortly. Perfect. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.